Story seventeen of the Times Red Cross Story Book by famous novelists serving in His Majesty's forces by various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story seventeen: The Fight for the Garden by Sir Arthur T. Quiller Couch, Duke of Cornwall's Light Infantry. One. It is strange, though," said the gardener's wife in Flemish, standing in the doorway of the chapel and studying while she shook her duster. The tall pigeon house in the centre of the courtyard. The birds have not come back yet. Not a sign of them. They never like it when their house is cleaned out," responded Philomène, the middle-aged maid of all work, just within the doorway. She too had a duster and perched on a stepladder insecurely she weighed by our english reckoning a good fifteen stone was flapping the dust from a tall crucifix nailed above the lintel the good man told me he had collected close on two pecks he is down in the garden digging it in around the roses he says that it will certainly rain to-night it has been raining to the southward all the afternoon said philomene heavily descending her step-ladder and shielding her eyes to stare up at the western window through the clear quarrels of which the declining sun sent a ray from under heavy clouds that will be by reason of the guns thunder suggested the gardener's wife the guns bring the thunder it is well known in her girlhood philomene had been affianced to a young artilleryman she had lost him at landrecy twenty-one years ago and had never since owned another lover or wished for one ah well provided they leave us alone this time sighed the gardener's wife she gazed across to the stable buildings where by a flight of cup steps leading to the hayloft her two children jean and pauline were busy at play with antoine son of a small farmer whose homestead scarcely a mile away aligned the high road running south from the capital the school in the neighboring village had been closed for two days and to-morrow being sunday would make a third holiday anyhow yesterday jean and pauline had been antoine's guest at a picnic breakfast in the sand-pit opposite his father's farm there were domestic reasons why they could not be entertained in the house and had spent four blissful hours watching the army their army horse foot and artillery all within toss of a biscuit march past and southward along the chaussee to-day it was their turn to be hosts and all the long afternoon with intervals for light refreshment the three children had been conducting a series of military operations from the orchard hedge through the orchard across a sunken ditch through the terraced garden with circumspection here for the gardener was swift to detect and stern to avenge paternally any footmark on his beds through the small fruit garden where it was forbidden to eat the underripe currants the barnyard among the haystacks the outbuildings to the courtyard and a grand finale on the stable steps here napoleon antoine in a cocked hat of glazed paper was making a last desperate stand on the stairhead with his back to the door of the loft and using the broken half of a flail en moulinet to ward off a combined kill by the prince of orange jean and the british army pauline jean wielded a hoe and carried a wooden sword in an orange-coloured scarf strapped as waistband around his blouse but pauline made the most picturesque figure by far she had kilted her petticoat high and gartered her stocking low exposing her knees 
On her head, through the heat of action, she carried an old muff, strapped under her chin with twine. Her right hand menaced the Corsican with a broomstick. Her left arm she held crooked, working the elbow against her hip, while her mouth uttered discordant sounds as a bagpipe. Pauline, Pauline, called her mother. Mais, tais-toi donc, c'est à tuerté, et d'ailleurs nous genoux, ce n'est pas sage, ça, c'est le pilbuk, maman, called back the child, desisting for a moment. Je suis écossaise, voilà. She had seen the Highland regiments yesterday, and the sight had given her a new self-respect, a new interest in warfare, since, as she maintained against Antoine and Jean, these kilted warriors must be women, giantesses out of the north, but none the less women. Why, it stands to reason. Look at their clothes. The gardener's wife left discipline to her husband. She took a step or two out into the yard for a glance at the sun slanting between the poplar top of the avenue. "'It's time Antoine's father fetched him,' she announced, returning to the chapel. "'And what has happened to the birds I cannot think. One would say they had forgotten their roosting-house.' "'The birds will return when the corn is spread,' answered Philomène comfortably. "'As for little Antoine, if he be not fetched, he shall have supper, and I myself will see him home across the fields. The child has courage enough to go alone, if we pack him off now before nightfall, but I doubt the evil characters about. There are always many such in the track of an army.' "'If that be so,' the gardener's wife objected, "'it will not be pleasant for you, when you have left him, to be returning alone in the dark. Why not take him back now, before supper?' Philomène shrugged her broad shoulders. "'Never fear for me, wife. I understand soldiery. And, moreover, am I to leave the chapel unreaded on a Saturday evening of all times? But since no one visits it—the good God visits it, service or no service. What did Father Cosmas preach to us two Sundays ago? Work,' said he, "'for you cannot tell at what hour the bridegroom cometh. Nor the baby, either,' he might have said. Most likely the good man, Antoine's father, has work on his hands, and doctors so scarce with all this military overrunning us. I dreamt last night it would be twins. There now, I've said it, and a Friday night's dream told on a Saturday. Whist, woman, interrupted the gardener's wife in a listening attitude, for the shouts of the children had ceased of a sudden. 2 napoleon at bay with his back to the hayloft door ceased to brandish his weapon dropped his sword-arm and flung out the other pointing look he cried behind you oh we know that trick answered the escalading party and closed upon him for the coup de grace but he ducked under jean's clutch still pointing and cried again this time so earnestly that they paused indeed and turned for a look about halfway between the foot of the steps and the arched entrance, with one of its double doors open behind him, stood a spare shortish gentleman in blue frock-coat, white breeches, and hessian boots. On his head was a small cocked hat, the peak of it only a little shorter than the nose which it overshadowed, and to this nose the spare shortish gentleman was carrying a pinch of snuff as he halted, and regarded the children with what, had his mouth been less grim, might have passed for a smile of amusement. "'Mademoiselle et messieurs, both,' said he in very bad French, "'I am sorry to interrupt, but I wish to see the proprietaire.' "'The pro—' 
but that will be monseigneur answered pauline who was the readiest and the visitor's eyes were upon her as if he had instantly guessed this but you cannot see him sir for he lives at neville and moreover is ever so old she spread her hands apart as one elongates a concertina between eighty and ninety mamma says he is too old to travel nowadays even from nivelles and my brother jean here is the only one of us who remembers to have seen him i remember him put in jean because he wore blue spectacles and carried a white umbrella he was not half so tall as any one would think oh what a beautiful horse he exclaimed catching through the gateway a glimpse of a bright chestnut charger which an orderly was walking to and fro in the avenue does he really belong to you sir jean asked this because the visitor's dress did not speak affluence a button was missing from his frock coat his boots were mired to their tops and a black smear on one side of his long nose made his appearance rather disreputable than not it was in fact a smear of gunpowder he really does said the visitor and turned again to pauline his blue eyes twinkling a little his mouth grim as before who then is in charge of this place my father sir he has been the gardener here since long before we were born and mamma is his wife he is in the garden at this moment if you wish to see him i do said the visitor after a sharp glance around the courtyard and another at its high protecting wall take me to him please pauline led him by a little gateway past the angle of the chateau and out upon the upper terrace of the garden planted in the formal style which ran along the main south front of the building and sloped to a stout brick wall some nine feet in height beyond the wall a grove of beech trees stretched southward upon the plain into open country excellent said the visitor first rate yet he seemed to take small note of the orange trees now in full bloom or of the box-edged borders filled with periwinkle and blue forget-me-not or with mignonette smelling very sweetly in the cool of the day nor as yet had he cast more than a cursory glance along the white-washed facade of the chateau or up at its high red-tiled roof with the pointed flemish turrets that strangers invariably admired he appeared quite incurious too when she halted a moment to give him a chance of wondering at the famous sundial a circular flower-bed with a tall wooden gnomon in the centre and the hours cut in box around the edge but where is your father he asked impatiently drawing out a fine gold watch from his fob he is not in the rose-garden it seems said pauline gazing along the terrace eastward then he will be in the orchard beyond she turned to bid jean run and fetch him but the two boys had thought it better fun to run back for a look at the handsome chestnut charger so she hurried on as guide from the terrace they descended by some stone steps to a covered walk at the end of which close by the southern wall stood another wonder a tall picture very vilely painted and in vile perspective but meant to trick the eye by representing the walk as continued with the summer-house at the end the children held this for one of the cleverest things in the world the visitor said Pshk! and in the rudest manner stepping from this covered way they followed a path which ran at right angles to it close under the south wall which was of brick on a low foundation of stone and stout brick buttresses 
In these the visitor's interest seemed to revive. "'Couldn't be better,' he said, nodding grimly. Pauline knew that her father must be in the orchard, for the small door at the end of the path stood open, and just beyond it, and beyond a sunken ditch, sure enough they found him, with a pail of wash and a brush, anointing some trees on which the caterpillars had fastened. As the visitor strode forward, Pauline came to a halt, having been taught that to listen to the talk of grown-up people was unbecoming. But some words she could not help overhearing. "'Good evening, my friend,' said the visitor, stepping forward. "'This is a fine orchard you have here. And what size do you put it?' "'He is going to buy the chateau,' thought Pauline, with a sinking of her small heart, for she knew that Monseigneur, being so old, had more than once threatened to sell it. "'He is going to buy the chateau, and we shall be turned out. We reckon it at three oppence, more or less. Yes, assuredly, a noble orchard, and in the best order—' though i say it after a word or two which she could not catch they walked off a little way under the trees their conversation grew more earnest by and by pauline saw her father step back a pace and salute with great reverence yes of course she decided he is a very rich man or he could not be buying such a place but it will break mamma's heart and mine and what is the place to this man who appreciates nothing not even the sundial the two came back slowly, her father walking now at a distance respectfully wide of the visitor. They passed Pauline as if unaware of her presence. The visitor was saying, "'If we do not hold this point to-night, the French will hold it to-morrow. You understand?' They went through the small doorway into the garden. Pauline followed. Again the visitor seemed to regard the long brick wall, in front of which grew a neglected line of shrubs, making the best of its northern aspect as its most interesting feature might have been built for the very purpose with these buttresses he stopped towards one and held the edge of his palm against it almost halfway down but you must cut it down so he spoke as if the brickwork were a shrub to be lopped have you a nice lot of planks handy a few my lord we keep some for scaffolding when repairs are needed not enough eh then we must rip up a floor or two. My fellows will see to it. The gardener rubbed his jaw thoughtfully. To be sure, there are the benches in the chapel, he suggested. That's a notion. Let's have a look at them. They mounted to the terrace and passed back into the courtyard, Pauline still following. Antoine's father had arrived to fetch him, had arrived too with a cart. The cart held a quantity of household furniture. The farmer held the reins, and the gardener's wife and Philomène were hoisting the child up beside him. They were agitated, as any one could see, and while her father led the visitor into the chapel, Pauline walked over to Jean, who stood watching, to ask him what it all meant. He says the war is coming back this way. It may even be to-night. Yes, said the farmer, addressing the woman and unwittingly corroborating Jean's report. This is the third load. With the first I took along my good woman, and by God's mercy found a lodging for her at the curé's. A small bedroom, that is all, but it will be handy for the midwife. And your crops, my poor friend? It was a fine swath of rye, to be sure, agreed the farmer, sighing, and the barley full of promise. One gets compensation, they tell me, but that will be small comfort if, while the grass grows, the cow starves. So I brought you the first word, did I? Vraiment! 
and yet by this time i should not wonder if the troops were in sight he waved his hand to the southward jean plucked pauline by the sleeve the two stole away together to the ladder that stood against the pigeon-house we hear no news of the world at all said the gardener's wife my man at this season is so wrapped up in his roses hola neighbor called the gardener at this moment coming forth from the chapel the visitor behind him you are stealing a march on us it seems now as a friend the best you can do is to drive ahead and bespeak some room in the village for my wife and little ones while they pack and i get out the carts is it true then his wife turned on him in a twitter my good woman interposed the visitor coming forward at sight of whom the farmer gave a gasp and then lifted his whip-head in a flurried and quite unheeded salute it is true i regret to say that to-night and to-morrow this house will be no place for you or for your children your husband may return if he chooses when he has seen you safely bestowed indeed he will be useful and probably in no danger until to-morrow the children where are the children quavered the gardener's wife and began calling jean pauline jean and pauline by this time were perched high on the ladder under the platform of the pigeon-cote from this perch they could spy over the irregular ridge of the outbuildings down across the garden to the grove and yet beyond the grove between the beech-tops to the southward ridge of the plain which on most days presented an undulating horizon but now all was blurred in that direction by heavy rain-clouds and no sign of the returning army could be seen save a small group of horsemen coming at a trot along at the great high-road and scarcely half a mile away crosswise from their right a shaft of the setting sun shot as though the slit of a closing shutter between the crest of another wood and rain-clouds scarcely less dark it dazzled their eyes it lit a rainbow in the eastern sky where also the clouds had started to discharge their rain the chateau seemed to be a vortex around which the thunderstorm was closing fast on three sides at any rate but for the moment poured through this one long rift in the west sunlight bathed the buildings a sunlight uncanny and red that streamed into the courtyard across the low ridge of the outbuildings the visitor had stepped back to the eastern angle of the house and stood there as if measuring with his eye the distance between him and the gate he began to pace it and as he advanced to jean's eye his shadow shortened itself down the wall like a streak of red blood fading from the top there's room in the cart here for the little ones the farmer suggested but no answered the gardener jean et pauline will be needed to drive off the cattle i shall take one cart you philomene the other and i will have both ready by the time you women have packed what is necessary a bientôt then the farmer started his mare the gardener following him to the gateway the gardener's wife turned towards the house sobbing but i shall come back called philomene stoutly mon dieu does any one suppose i will leave our best rooms to be tramped through by a lot of nasty foreign soldiers no one listened to her after a moment she too went off towards the house jean et pauline slid down the ladder the farmer's cart had rumbled through the archway and out into the avenue the visitor had beckoned his orderly and was preparing to mount with one foot in a stirrup he turned to the gardener by the way said he when you return from the village bring lanterns all you can collect 
then to the orderly give me my cloak for already the rain was beginning to fall in large drops a squall of rain burst over the poplars as he rode away three jean et pauline awoke next morning to some very queer sensations they had slept in their clothes upon beds of hay their bedroom in fact was part of a cottage loft partitioned into two by rough boards on this side hay on the other a hen-roost the poultry were cackling and crowing and seemed to be in a flurry jean raised himself on his elbow and cried pauline jean i was just going to wake you i have scarcely slept all night while you have been snoring listen the battle has begun sure enough a deal of fusillading was going on and not very far away and this no doubt had scared the fowls on the other side of the partition the loft had but a narrow slit unglazed close under the eaves to admit air and daylight jean crept to it over the trusses of hay and peered out into the world he could see nothing but clouds and a few near trees wrapped in a foggy drizzle still the loose fusillade went on i don't know if it can be the battle he reported philomene says that battles always begin nowadays with the big guns and this moreover sounds half-hearted he was right too the two or three trees visible in the mist were the outposts of a plantation which straggled up to the entrance of the village beyond this plantation lay two regiments that like the rest of the army had marched and bivouacked in mud and rain at dawn they had been ordered to clean their small arms and since the readiest way to make sure of a musket is to fire off the charge they had been directed to do so by companies in an interval of this fusillade the children caught the sound of some one moving in the kitchen below lighting the fire jean crept from his window slit to the hatchway of the loft and called down softly mamma the good woman of the cottage answered bidding him to go back to bed again his mother was not in the house but had been called during the night to visit a cottage some way up the road that will be antoine's mother whispered pauline who had crept over the hay to jean's side is it a boy or a girl she asked aloud it is twins said the good woman now lie down and be sensible you two but where is papa down at the chateau doubtless but god knows he was here a little before midnight and left again meaning to spend the night there now i have told you what i know the two crept back to their lairs and lay very obediently until the good woman called up that coffee was ready they hurried down the ladder washed their hands and faces at the pump outside and returned to the meal there was coffee and a very savoury potage in which they dipped great slices of bread the woman was kind to them having no children of her own her husband she said was somewhere in the plantation felling trees with the troops he had gone out long before dawn with a lantern because he knew the best trees and could lead the pioneers to them in the dark jean having breakfast until his small belly was tight as a drum felt a new courage in his veins and a great curiosity he proposed to pauline in a whisper that they should run down together to the chateau and see how papa was getting on and philomene she will scold though objected pauline oh said jean philomene scolding they ran out into the back garden that is right the woman called after them you can play there more safely than in the road but be sensible now if they should begin firing 
It was not difficult to slip through the tumble-down fence. On the far side of it the children struck a footpath, which ran down across a rye-field to the plantation. The rain had ceased, and above the rye many larks were singing, though the clouds hung grey and heavy. The loose firing, too, had ceased. Trees and the backs of a few cottages on their left, denser woodland ahead of them, circumscribed the view here. Not a soldier was in sight. There was nothing to be heard save the lark's chorus. "'But, of course,' exclaimed Pauline, recollecting, "'it is Sunday. People do not fight on Sunday.' are you sure asked jean with a touch of disappointment if it were an ordinary sunday the church bell would be ringing before now that is monsieur le curé's cunning with so many soldiers about his church would be suffocated if he called attention but where are the soldiers demanded jean they went down the path which was narrow and slippery with mire between walls of rye that when brushed against shook down the golden grain in showers jean led with pauline at his heels they reached the plantation and entered it by a low gap the wood being a beach there was no undergrowth to wet their legs but the boughs dripped the plantation ended at a bank overhanging a paved road and down this bank they scrambled without difficulty the pavement ran down the middle of the road and they followed this avoiding the slush which lined it on either side the ruts here were prodigious in fact the children who had driven the cattle up this road a few hours ago found it almost unrecognizable they now heard sounds of woodcutters axes creaking timber men's voices foreign voices and at an angle of the road came on a sudden glimpse of scarlet the avenue to the chateau turned off from the high road just here and just beyond the turning a company of british redcoats were completing an abatisse breast-high of lopped trees criss-crossed and interlaced with beech boughs an officer caught sight of the children as they stood hesitating and warned them sharply to go back but we have a message for our father who is the gardener yonder spoke up jean with a jerk of his thumb towards the chateau well you can give it to the sentry at the gate if he'll take it but be quick the children darted up the avenue between the poplars at the entrance gate which stood open sure enough they found a red coat posted we bring a message for our father who is the gardener here said jean hardily the sentinel made him repeat it and answered in execrable french well i suppose there is no harm in letting you carry it if the message is urgent your father's somewhere in the garden i saw him pass that way a minute ago but you must promise to be back within five minutes lord now added the sentry smiling down at them i left just such a pair as you at home not two months ago i'd be sorry much as i love them to see them anyways here i like that man said pauline as she and jean passed into the yard the place was empty save for two soldiers lunsburgers in green uniform who were carrying a bench from the chapel towards the small gate of the garden but we have no message for papa said pauline unless we tell him that antoine's mother has twins but he won't be in a hurry to hear that just then a dull noise sounded afar to the southward and the ground seemed to shake a little we will first seek philomene he had hardly spoken the words when something screamed in the air above and struck the edge of the stable steps with a terrific crash 
the children frightened out of their lives dashed for the ladder of the pigeon-house the nearest solid object to which they could cling across the smoke as they clung and turned they saw the sentry very coolly shutting the gate four or five green-coats ran out of the chapel to help him but paused a moment as a second and a third shot whistled wide overhead then they rushed forward heads down to the gate which was quickly shut and barred they had not seen the children who now climbing up the ladder stayed not until they had squeezed through the square hole of the platform and crawled into the pigeon-house where they lay panting it was of course quite foolish to seek shelter here for the moment they would have been far safer in the courtyard below under the lee of the outbuildings a ball striking the pigeon-house would knock it to shivers at one blow but they had climbed in pure panic and even now without any excuse of reason they felt more secure here as a matter of fact the danger was lessening for with these first shots the artillery to the southward beyond the trees had been finding its range and now began to drop its fire shorter upon the garden below the chateau through their pigeon-holes jean et pauline overlooked almost the whole stretch of the garden the foot of which along the brick wall was closely lined with soldiers tall redcoats for the most part with squads of green jackets here and there and a sprinkling of men who carried yellow knapsacks they had broken down the cups of the buttresses during the night and laid planks from buttress to buttress forming a platform that ran the entire length of the wall along this platform a part of the defenders stood ready with bayonets fixed in their muskets which they rested for the moment on the brick coping others knelt on the flower border close beneath the platform watching at apertures where a few bricks had been knocked out there were green jackets and yellow too in the grove beyond posted here and there behind the breech holes a line of them pushed forward to a hedge on the left with a line of retreat left open by a small doorway this was all that jean and pauline could see of the defence and even this they took in hurriedly for the round shot by now was sweeping the garden terraces and ploughing through the flower-beds it still passed harmlessly over the wall and the soldiery lining it and the children could see the men turn to watch the damage and grin at one another jocosely pauline wondered at their levity for the hail under which they stood and the whistling noise of it the constant throbbing of earth and air and the repeated heavy thuds upon the terrace were enough to strike terror into any one she cried oh oh as a tall orange tree fell shorn through as easily as a cabbage stump but jean dragged at her arm between the tree-tops in a gap of the smoke that hung and drifted beyond the wood which dipped southward with the lie of the slope and find a way there to an acute angle the enemy batteries or two of them were visible shooting out fresh wings of smoke on the sullen air and on a rising ground beyond dense masses of infantry with squadrons of horsemen moving and taking up position flags and pennons flickered and from moment to moment as a troop shifted ground quick rivulets of light played across lines of cuirasses and helmets tens hundreds of thousands were gathered there and stretched away to the left the trees were lower to the left and gave a better view and the object of this tremendous concourse as it presented itself to jean all to descend upon the chateau and swallow up this thin line of men by the garden wall 
to him as to pauline this home of theirs meant more than the capital being the centre of their world and of other preparations to resist the multitude opposite they could see nothing jean wondered why seeing it was so easy the great masses hung on the slope and refrained from descending to deliver the blow by and by that part of the main body which stood facing the angle where the wood ended threw out as it were by a puff a cloud of little figures to left and right much like two swarms of bees and these two dark swarms each as it came on in irregular order expanding until their inner sides melted together and made one descended under the cover of their artillery to the dip where for a few minutes jean lost sight of them in less than a minute the booming of the heavy guns ceased and their music was taken up by a quick crackle of small arms on both sides of the wood the line of defenders by the hedge shook wavered broke and came running back mingling with their supporters posted behind the beech boles under whose cover they found time to reload and fire again dodging from tree to tree but still as it dodged the whole body of men in the wood was being driven backward and inward from both sides upon the small door admitting to the garden at this point the crush was hidden by the intervening wall the children could only see the thin trickle of men as after jostling without they escaped back through the doorway but across the wall could now be seen the first of the assailants closing in among the beech trunks a line of red jackets hitherto hidden sprang forward as it were from the base of the wall on the far side to cover the route but they were few and seemed doomed to perish when whirr over the children's heads from somewhere behind the chateau a shell hissed plunged into the trees right amongst the assailants and exploded it was followed by another another and yet another the whole air screamed with shells as the earth shook again with their explosions but the marvel was the accuracy with which they dropped plump among trees through which the assailants crowded white-breasted regiments of the line blue-coated black-gaitered sharpshooters closing in on their flanks the edge of this ring within thirty seconds was a semicircle of smoke and flame along which as globe after globe fell and crashed arms tossed bodies leapt and pitched back convulsively while even two hundred yards nearer at most the knot of defenders stood unscathed within five minutes so deadly was the play of these unseen howitzers not a blue coat stood anywhere in sight a few wounded could be seen crawling away to shelter the rest of the front and second lines lay in an irregular ring and behind it the assault which had swept so close up to the wall melted clean away amid hurrahs the streams of green and yellow jackets which had been pouring in at the entry steadied itself and began to pour forth again to reoccupy the wood gaily encouraged by the tall redcoats on the platform the hail of shells ceased as suddenly as it had begun in the lull jean found time to look below him then through another pigeon-hole which faced the gateway he saw his father crossing the yard with a red-coated officer who was persuading him to leave it Villemain, shouted the gardener the serving-woman came forth from the doorway of the house bearing a large basin she emptied it into a sink beside the steps and what she poured was to appearance a bowlful of blood 
we are to go it seems called the gardener they will try again and the likes of us will be shot as having no business here no business called back philomene i don't remember when i had so much she disappeared into the house papa shrilled jean and pushed pauline out towards the platform for your life quick but the ladder has gone gasped pauline it was true jean shouted to his father again but the scream of a belated shell overhead drowned his young voice some one had removed the ladder before he could call again his father had passed out and the sentry under the officer's instructions was barring the gate four the ladder which alone could help them to descend rested against the curtain of the gate some two dozen yards away why it had been carried off to be planted there or by whom there was no guessing some one maybe had done it in a panic for a moment it rested there idly yet as events proved it had a purpose to serve a lull of twenty minutes ensued on the baffled first assault but the french tirailleurs beaten back from their direct attack on the wood collected themselves on the edges of it and began to play a new and more deadly game creeping singly along the hedges and by the sunken ways halting gathering pushing on again gradually enclosing three sides of the walled enceinte against the abatis on the high road they made a small demonstration as a feint but the main rush came again through the wood and across an orchard to the left of it this time for some reason the deadly howitzers were silent this time after another roar of artillery fire the defenders in the grove came pouring back with the black gaitered men close upon them intercepting and shooting them down by scores then followed half an hour's horrible work all along the garden wall work of which and they should have thanked heaven for it the children missed the worst seeing only the redcoats jabbing across the wall and downwards with their bayonets the riflemen at the loopholes firing drawing back pausing to reload the small door had been shut fast and a dozen men held their weight against it yells and firing sounded all the while from the orchard to the loft but what was happening there the children could not see an angle of the house cut off their view in that direction cut off in fact their view of the main field of battle where charge after charge of cavalry was being launched against the few regiments holding a ridge to the left close under which the chateau stood but for jean et pauline the whole fight was for the chateau their home and especially just now for the garden it seemed incredible that a thin line of redcoats could hold the wall against such numbers as kept pouring up between the beech boles yet minute after minute passed and the wall was not carried some one shouted close at hand from the gate they turned that way each choosing a peephole a score of blue coats had actually burst the gate open and were carrying the courtyard with a rush but halfway as many red coats met them and swept them out at a point of bayonet forcing the double gate on their backs half a dozen others ran with beams to barricade it close beside it to the left a man topped the wall and straddled it with a shout of triumph a red coat fired slantwise from the pigeon-house ladder and he pitched writhing upon the cobbles shackles and heads bobbed up behind the coping whence he had dropped but the yard now was full of soldiers heaven knew whence they had sprung and so this assault too was driven back 
shouts arose from the left of the house gradually the assault here being baffled the men drained off in that direction the attack upon the wall too seemed to have eased then came another lull then the enemy's artillery opened fire again this time with shell a tall officer stood against the wall shouting an order when the first shell dropped when the smoke of the explosion cleared he was there no longer there remained only what seemed to be his shadow it was actually the streak of him beaten in blood upon the stucco this new cannonade was designed to set fire to the obstinate buildings and very soon the roof broke into a blaze in two places that of the chapel was the first to catch at the western end many of the wounded had been carried there the pigeon house stood intact not even a stray bullet had struck it but now a new danger threatened the children and a surer one even than the fast dropping shells smoke from the blazing roof of the main building poured into every aperture of their hiding-place they fought with it striving to push it from them with hands that still grew feebler of a sudden it blotted out not the battle only but life itself for them five pauline it seemed to jean that he was awaking again in the hayloft again he heard the distant crackle of musketry pauline pauline stirred at that moment a bird alighted on a sill before one of the holes and disappeared with a whir of wings it was a pigeon returning to roost frightened to discover his house occupied the noise awakened pauline upright she sat up on the floor of the loft and asked suddenly but did they break in after all they who asked jean still confused but he crept to the opening as he had crept to the other opening in the dawn it was close upon sunset now but he did not mark this what he marked and what brought him back to his senses was the sight of philomene crossing the empty courtyard with a bucket it was the same courtyard though its outbuildings here and there lacked a roof it was the same philomene anyhow with her waddling walk philomene eh but the good god deliver us how fetch the ladder here she fetched and planted it the two children climbed down to her six a man came through the broken gateway and stood for a moment gazing around him in the falling twilight at the ruins a tall sergeant of the horse artillery he caught sight of philomene and the children and stared at them harder still well i've seen things to-day he said but if you ain't the unlikeliest who belongs here i could have told you yesterday answered philomene in an old voice following his look around and you've seen these things you he asked his face was dirty a mask of gunpowder but his eyes shone kindly and pauline without recognizing his uniform knew him for a friend well i'm but who lives here just now there's nobody at home just now but me and the children as you see said philomene were you looking for somebody with another look around he will be hard to find the tall sergeant leaned an elbow against the gate he was tottering with fatigue it's a victory that's what it is he said an almighty victory it ought to be god knows philomene assented and and but you'll be busy no doubt moderately i have to push on with my battery but there's no real hurry the prussians are after them now i thought on the off chance if i could find a friend here what is it you ask of me good man 
if one of you wouldn't mind stepping yonder with me it's much to ask i know but there's a gentleman an officer of ours wounded no such trouble for you good woman dead he is and i helped bury him but i want to find some one who will mark the place and keep it marked against i come back if ever i do was he a friend of yours then asked philomene while the children stared i wouldn't altogether say that he'd have said yes fast enough if you'd asked him but he was a gentleman ramsay by name major norman ramsay one of many fallen to-day but i rode with him in his battery when he charged in slapped through the whole of french cavalry at fuentes de honorio will you come tis but a little way his voice pleaded so it was so strange and womanly coming from a man of his strength and inches but they followed him almost without demur out by the gateway and around the sunken lane at the back of the buildings where for it was dark they had to pick their steps for fear of stumbling over the dead mercifully the way was not far the tall sergeant halted and pointed to a patch of broken turf where was a loose mound among broad wheel-ruts you see i have marked it with a stone said he but in a few days time there may be many more around here i want you to mark this one it doesn't matter how so that you know it and can point it out when his friends ask he wears his jacket of course the same as mine the tall man spanned his chest and turned towards the dying daylight so that the bars of yellow braid showed between his fingers only the facings will be of gold you see those three trees standing alone they will be halfway between it and the wall of the chateau in a straight line almost and the lane close here on our left you cannot miss it he felt in his pockets we want no money soldier said philomene we will do our best give me your name that meanwhile we may pray for you and him out of these many my name is lisey sergeant of bull's troop that will mean nothing to you however i dare say answered philomene simply it will convey more to our lord god i had a man once who was killed in the artillery jean et pauline stared at the man tears as he stood by the grave had carved channels of white down his powder-stained cheeks i do not believe he said in praying for the dead but i am glad somehow there are folks who do will you his name was ramsay and the duke who has won this battle broke his heart curse him how did he die sir asked philomene simply he was killed some while ago and far from here answered the sergeant of a broken heart mademoiselle it is a sad thing sighed philomene to live for the artillery the sergeant seemed to wish to say more but turned to shake hands with her he patted the children lightly on the head then strode down the slope a last shaft of sunset cast his long shadow over the heaps of slain with a sob philomene pulled herself together mark my words children the pigeons will be home at their roost to-morrow and all this will be as if it never had been she turned back to retrace the path and over the fields of slain the two children followed her heavy with sleep end of story seventeen